So what if instead of focusing on trying to figure out alcohol, you tried to figure out yourself. You learned how to do all of the things that you think alcohol is doing for you, but better. You tapped into really understanding what the messages from your body meant and how to use your emotions to your advantage and how to really expand your desires to get what it is you finally really want and have real, lasting, sustainable pleasure. That is possible for you, and it is all available to you in the self-study course, The Naturally Sober Woman. It is everything that I teach my one-on-one clients, but it is compact for you, lifetime access on demand at a super affordable price available to you right now. You're going to go to my website, marywagstaffcoach.com, right there. It'll say self-study course or follow the link in the show notes right here. Get in there. One short video, just the welcome ceremony. There's a commence, a beautiful commencement ceremony that really anchors you into your intention for wanting to make this change into your life will change your life forever. It'll put you on a trajectory of new possibility because the bigger your desire is, the easier it's going to be to say goodbye to alcohol. So go on over to my website, get inside of the Naturally Sober Woman, and I will see you in there. Welcome, welcome. My name is Mary Wagstaff. I am a life coach who ended a 20-year relationship with alcohol without labels, counting days, or ever making excuses. In this podcast, we will explore my revolutionary approach to quitting alcohol that breaks all the rules, amazing stories from women who are throwing a better party because of it, and how you can stop drinking and start living. This show is not a substitute for rehabilitation, medical treatment, or advice, so please talk to a health professional if your alcohol consumption is a risk to your mental or physical health. Now on with the show. Welcome back, my beautiful listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. I am just so thrilled. It has been just an amazing experience of empowered women flowing into my life to be here and of service. And so I'm just thrilled to be offering another installment of a message from just another beautiful divine woman. And so we are welcoming today Willow Sana. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm just thrilled to hear your story and to get to know a little bit more about you and also to have your deep wisdom um, for our listeners today. So welcome, Willow. Thank you so much, Mary. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, it is just such a pleasure. And um, I really would just love for you to first start about telling us a little bit about yourself and um, just the magic that you're pouring out into the world these days. Mm, Yeah, thank you. I am a transformational business coach. I do emotional and strategic support with spiritual visionary entrepreneurs all over the world. Uh, I work solely online and have spent a lot of time overseas myself. So I have a really international community, which is really beautiful. And I've been doing this a long time. I've actually been in business over 18 years. Uh, So I do some private coaching, but I also run these beautiful small groups for women, uh, specifically around the, it's also the title of my book, uh, but it's all about doubling down on your genius, double down on your genius and about owning your gifts and aligning your actions and flourishing in your calling. 
So that's how I'm spending my days. I'm really, my whole mission is to really just shine as bright as I can and inspire others to do the same. I love that so much. And it's just, I know that when you are working with other people's transformational journeys, it's just really ends up unfolding your own, you know, your own process as well. And that inspiration of how deep we can go and what's possible. So thank you for Mm -hmm. doing all of that amazing work because um, from a holistic perspective, it just, there's not one piece of it, right? You can't grow into your abundance without meeting that spiritual side of you. So thank you for that. Um, So we're here today Mm -hmm. to talk about um, alcohol and a relationship and how it is is part of the evolutionary process as well. So if you wanted to just start to talk a little bit about your journey with alcohol, um, kind of from the beginning and briefly kind of get into how it all showed up for you. Hmm. Well, I, technically, I actually started started drinking when I was probably like twelve or thirteen or something. You know, really young. I grew up in a small town in Colorado, and it was definitely you know partying was one of you know the, one of the things to do in a small town. And so I just remember my girlfriend um, at the time, she was just all about making screwdrivers. <laughs> so we used to make screwdrivers. I mean, we definitely should not have been drinking at that, at that time, at that age. But um, yeah, we would steal like wine and, and vodka and make screwdrivers. And so anyway, it started very, very young. And I partied pretty hard through high school. And so yeah, that's, that's when it all began. Mm-hmm. And then how did it continue to transpire into, you know, your adult life where there was a point where you ended up shifting your relationship? So I actually ended up stopping drinking when I turned 21, ironically enough, which is the, the, the legal age. I finally, it was legal right. to do it. I was like, eh, been there, done that. I'd already been drinking for so long. Uh, and I, I got on kind of this health kick and just decided that I didn't need it in my life. So that was really the first time that I stopped drinking for probably a solid, I want to say a year and a half or two years uh, when I turned 21. And I ended up starting to drink again. I kind of had this moment where I was like a Halloween with some friends that were drinkers. I was like, why am I not drinking again? This seems really fun. And so I started (laughs) drinking again and, um, and really was, I mean, it's so funny to me in some ways that I'm sober now because for many people who knew me, I lived in San Francisco most of my adult life for 18 years. And uh, in those 18 years in San Francisco, I actually was quite the partier and would roll and like, we had like just posses that would just go and go out for drinks. And we had this amazing friend group and that was like our favorite thing to do together, you know, mm-hmm. was like to go out for drinks. And, and, um, and then I was also a hardcore like showgoer. I would love going to indie rock shows and live shows. And so that's what you do. You go mm-hmm. and you have drinks and you party all night long at, at these uh, amazing indie rock shows. And I, I remember having a vision like back then that I was like, I'm going to totally be this old rocker that's still going to shows and still partying and drinking. Like that was like my vision for my future. Um, so all this is to say, it's honestly like sometimes I'm still surprised that I'm the one who's sober. I'm like, wow, really? Cause I was mm-hmm. always the girl that was like closing down the bar. Mm-hmm. Yes. I relate to that a hundred percent. I definitely, um, 
was like the facilitator, which I still am, and I, which you still are, right? So it just yeah. took, a, took a different. <laughs> we, turn. we love gathering people. We love people, and we're you know, and I. It's so interesting. I love that you brought that up because I think that's the thing is that our personalities. It's like there's some people obviously who can get really ugly with drinking, but it's like mine just like blossomed me up. I just like, I loved it. I'm so fun loving. It was a way to connect. Um, but I will say there was a point that turned for me where I started feeling like I wasn't, I didn't feel connected, you know? Mm -hmm. And I started, I think, just being conscious about how like after a few drinks, I felt very alone or disconnected from the people around me or I mean clearly obviously right I was like mm -hmm. disconnected with myself and so it started getting more apparent um and yeah there was a, a point and we can talk about this but there was a point where it just was like yeah I the the process of my coming to completion with alcohol like it was really by surprise um, and at this point, by the way, I had, I had moved out to Hong Kong. So I had moved overseas and was living in Hong Kong. And I was living with a partner who worked 12 hour days, six days a week. So I would often keep myself company. I would, you know, go out to dinner by myself and get myself a glass of wine, maybe two, go home, open a bottle of wine. Cause by that time I was like two, two drinks in, but it was really like my way of keeping myself company. Mm -hmm. um, and then he would get home and like roll a joint and we'd smoke a joint. And I'd still, you know, it was one of those things where it was just like, Oh my God, every day of the week, not maybe not every single day, but like most days I was drinking and smoking. And I just was like, after a while, I was like, this is not helping. And the way that I described it, actually, it, the, the metaphor that came to me was like, this is like I'm cutting off my foot and the next day, or cutting off part of my leg, and the next day, my whole body and whole being has to spend all this energy growing back that foot or growing back that leg, as opposed to just putting all that same energy into like getting back up and running the, the race, mm -hmm. you know, it was all that energy suck. It just felt like it was derailing me over and over and over again, energetically. And I even noticed at the times that I was stopping to drink, you know, for example, even if I did it for like a month, I noticed those high lows, even in my relationship and kind of mm -hmm. the sensitivities and all that stuff would quell. And so I started getting this like hint of like, Hmm, might not be the best. <laughs> right. This might not be working for me anymore. Were you engaged in any other practices that were like a little bit more subtle? Um, cause I know that spirituality is, you know, you mentioned that as part of the work that you do. Um, was that, do you, was, it, was there anything else in your life that you were engaging with that may have been opening up those channels of like, Hmm, I'm feeling more disconnected than, than connected. So I've always been very spiritual. I've been, you know, I've followed spiritual leaders and meditated, started meditating when I was like in high school and mm -hmm. I was very spiritual and on a spiritual path in my early twenties. And so even though I went down this path of like, you know, being an indie rocker and all these, so I've always been a very spiritual person. I was, you know, meditating and reading spiritual books, like in high school. And when I was in my early twenties, big time, I worked actually with a lot of beautiful spiritual leaders at the time, um, Shakti Gawain and Dan Millman. And I was really on a path from a very young age. And I kind of took this, I do feel like in a way I took a little bit of a detour as like a partier and what have you, but I've always been someone who's very heart centered and um, creative and, and conscious 
conscious. And certainly, you know, well into my 30s, I was. And so when I was in Hong Kong, I, I was in such a beautiful place in my life and with myself and was already, you know, doing this deep heart-centered coaching. And so in a way, like there was a little bit of a mismatch, not that spiritual people aren't going out partying. That's totally, it happens all the time. But I do, I did start to feel like I had this book, my double down on your genius that wanted to come through me. I was doing this really deep, heart-centered, beautiful work with people, very transformational work with people. And I knew that, and the work that I do with clients is literally to help them not get derailed, whether that be emotionally or with your focus or what have you. And so for me to, you know, essentially, I want to walk my talk you know, mm -hmm. and I knew, and, and I work a lot as well with uh, when you're feeling out of alignment and when something's feeling out of alignment in your relationship with your uh, business or in your relationship with yourself. A lot of my, the work that I do as a coach is, is, has like a very therapy style and it's really all about your relationship with self, mm -hmm. connection with self, um, self-compassion, self-acceptance. So all that to say that, yes, I had these deep tenants and I had been very much on this spiritual path myself and started to realize it was, it was feeling out of alignment, but I'll share with you the, the moment that I chose to let go and say goodbye to alcohol. I mean, I literally at the time, I could not even have imagined really that it'd be now three, I think I'm at like three years and four months right now. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know if at the time I thought I was quitting forever for a little while, but I just knew that that was the calling. I essentially had gone out to a friend's birthday party the night before, and it was I think it was even a Sunday night or whatever that she'd had a birthday, and I'd only had a few glasses of wine. Like, I, it wasn't that it was that much, um, but I remember waking up the next day and just not feeling good and just not liking the feeling of not feeling good. Mm -hmm. And to start, I kind of just had this wake up call of like, I am tired of not feeling good. I'm tired of feeling like I don't have all the energy that I want to have to do what I want to do. And I really sat with this. I thought I was just, I had this kind of, I mean, that's what I call a calling. I had this calling to be a clear channel. That was the best way that I could describe it is that I mm -hmm. had this very clear message of like, you're here to be a clear channel and you have important work here to do in the world. And that means it's not even about saying what I was saying no to with alcohol. It was about what I was saying yes to in my mm -hmm. life and what I want to create. Mm. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Yes. I like to say the goddess called, <laughs> the goddess called you up and you answered. And I think that that's just so, so beautiful. And, um, I love the making that distinction about, um, that you're, it's not about lack about not being able to, but it's about the choice of saying yes to an abundant life. Um, that's giving you so much more. Did you find that, um, you know, that not feeling good. I find that, you know, it's one of those things that you don't realize so for so long that there's like, that you could be feeling better. Right. And there's just like this moment where you're like, Oh man, <laughs> like this sucks. But for so long, it's just kind of your norm, that little bit of depleted energy. And, 
Um, well, because the neural pathway, I mean, this is what I think is so interesting. And I'm thankfully, my choice, and I don't talk, honestly, I don't talk about my sobriety a lot, because I do feel really lucky and fortunate that it was like, I got a spiritual calling, and I just quit in a day. And it, mm -hmm. I, it wasn't hard. It wasn't really a struggle for me. It was just like, this is this divine choice I'm making. And it's the best choice. And I, I had to wrestle with it, especially in the relationship that I was in, you have to remember, like, we literally fell in love partying our asses off together and, mm -hmm. and then moved out to this other country together. And all of a sudden he had a partner that wasn't drinking with him, wasn't smoking with him. We had our, we had an anniversary, like a couple days after I had made this decision, we went out and I remember like he got a cocktail and I didn't, he's like, are you know, he's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I felt so clear in my mm -hmm. decision. So it was, it was this, it was a, such a total calling. I don't usually talk about it because it was so easy for me. And at the same time, I feel so like, I don't know, it just feels almost like this amazing gift, you know, that I was given that it, that it sort of came to me and was like, no, this is what your path is to be. I still am like I said, I'm still kind of blown away that like, mm -hmm. I'm sober. I've told a few people that knew me from way back. And I mean, I think I, I'm like, I'm just as surprised as you are. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, and it's so interesting. I feel like there's a couple approaches and I think having the spiritual implications in your life before, and I've found this with some other people that I've talked to and clients too, who, and myself as well, I lived a parallel life with mindfulness and yoga for 20 years at the right. same time. And it's like, you always have that little glimmer in the back, like that. And you know, there's two parts of the subconscious that are being worked at the same time. And so when the time comes and the switch, I just say like a switch flipped for me because I had taken breaks before, but then it was, it was the very, very similar where it was just like, Oh, you know, it's done. It's time. Um, mm. So once you did make, and you said it was like, you made this shift and it was pretty easy and you went on, was there, um, w were there any, you know, in the beginning phases, were there some challenges that you had to face that you went through? Yeah. Maybe you talked about your partner at the time and that's, I yeah. think that's a really interesting thing because that's very challenging for a lot of people. Can you talk a little bit about how that ended up playing out? Absolutely. Yeah. So what I did, you know, I'm, I'm a coach, so I'm also a really big, I have the ability uh, of doing a lot of self-coaching as well. So I really, I remember just looking back on that time, doing a lot of self-coaching through the process. And one of the things I did is I worked through it, it is I made a list of what I was afraid of you know, mm. and what, what am I afraid of in this? And it was, yeah, things like, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to connect with my partner. Or we're not going to have fun like we used to have it before. And I just really like got all those fears out. And, and then it was like, what I meant, what am I excited about? What feels really true about this decision for myself? And I just let myself be in that process and see it, journal it out. I actually did, uh, I shared this with you and, and we can totally share it with your audience if you have show notes. I did a recording. I recorded myself through the process, like almost talking through. And I recorded it with the intention of like, I don't know if I'll ever share this. It was just my own sort of self-coaching process to take witness to that decision and be with myself in that time and that choice. Um, 
so I think that, you know, it's not to say like, it was just like a breeze. Like I had a shift for sure. My relationships shifted my, you know, not only with my partner. I mean, so this is at the beginning of 2016, is that right? Um, or maybe it was 2017 and I'd have to look back. I'm uh, maybe 2017 and I, had at that point, I had had some really close friends that I'd made in, in Hong Kong that we went out for drinks and we closed down bars or we would even, you know, like, like I said, like do these other recreational drugs. Mm -hmm. And I, that all changed and I didn't want to hang out with them anymore. So that was, that was a big thing. And Friday nights, I actually ended up finding this um, beautiful meditation studio that they had a Friday night meditation. And ironically, it was right down in like La Quai Fong, which is basically like the party Mecca on a Friday night. So we would all joke why we were like, we did this beautiful meditation together and then we would leave and they would, we would actually kind of create this field of like, as you walk through this like crazy energy on the way out of here. Um, but I loved it. I mean, it was literally my Friday nights, the fact that it changed from like going out for drinks to going to a meditation. And I ended up getting super into sound healing that year. Mm. Like sound healing was transformative for me, sound journeys and sound healing. Um, and throughout the entire year, I will just share that actually it turned out to be this year of completing a lot of sacred contracts. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like I completed my sacred contract with alcohol. Um, I had a whole sacred contract that I felt like I completed with my mom that year where finally I just was done with the way that our like, okay, the agreement that we might've come in on is no longer working for me. I'm done. I will not operate in the same agreement anymore. Mm -hmm. And we had to complete that. Um, and then with my partner and actually there was even one more, I ended up changing my last name. So that whole year I was felt really guided and called to change my last name. I'd been wanting to for a while and I kind of all year, was literally sitting with and feeling into what I wanted my new last name to be. And I have a whole story on that, but it's essentially, well, this is very related, letting go of my narcissistic alcoholic stepfather's last name. Mm. And who I don't have any relationship with anymore, but I still had his last name that mm. I have no connection to. I never really liked it anyway. And I didn't, I was like, I'm publishing a book soon. I want to be called up on stage and I want this name to be mine and something that I want. Mm. And so I changed my last name and I completed that relationship with my partner. I mean, it was a huge year. So to say it was easy might be <laughs> giving it a little bit too much lightness. It was pretty intense. Yeah. Wow. I'm just like, I can like feel all of like when you're talking about ending these sacred contracts, it just sounds um, like it is done, you know, and in this way, that's just so empowering rather than that, like deprivation piece is the energy that I'm, that I'm getting from what you're saying. And yeah. um, it was me choosing me. At yeah. every step, it was like, nope, this isn't working. Nope, this isn't working. I choose this. And I had to stand in the fire as that like crumbled around me. But it was all for me to be able to like rise up out of it stronger and better than ever before, for sure. Mm, yeah, beautiful. And I love that you talk about, you know, the embodiment of these other practices as well, because I find that, you know, a lot of people that 
I could, there's kind of two ways to quit drinking. Like you can sit in deprivation and like, why not? Why can't I? Or you can choose yourself and you can be inspired by life and like the vastness that is there, right? Yeah. Like the expansiveness and then utilizing practices, ancient practices as well, um, that really take you deeper to start to not only you know, not only to replace what you were doing, but to recalibrate because the brain, I mean, drinking from such a young age, your brain has been calibrated oh, in all yes. of your systems for the, you know, your completely identity is woven around that. So that yeah. piece of it, I find, and I just want to point this out to our listeners. I just find it so important because if you, if you change your relationship with alcohol, but then there's nothing else that shifts and you don't get into the somatic practices, I find it's, yeah. it's much more challenging, um, to, to evolve past, you mm. know, where you're at. So I am so glad you brought this up because, you know, again, like this happened a couple of years ago. And so you're really, <laughs> you're really helping me get back into touch with what happened there. Yeah. It was a massive identity shift. I mean, it was really this massive identity death and letting go of that. And another aspect of that, I have to say, so there, there was that. And I remember being in my relationship and I mean, this is exactly right. And I, I actually literally have programs that are called Momentum and Abundant Expansion because a lot of the work I do is about taking off these old identities and, and so beautifully stepping forth and allowing yourself to expand, which can be terrifying. It feels like you're like strapped on a jet and it's going a million miles an hour and your whole body is shaking and that you can't do anything. And yet it's, you're staying in one place. It's such a jangly feeling in your body of, you know, this, um, you know, like, yeah, like a snake that is literally shedding a skin. And I had so many of those shedding skins and letting go of these old, like heavy cloaks that were no longer serving me. That was massive. And I remember my partner at the time being like, I don't know how to help you. Like he, he, and I, I, it was, it was a little isolating because I felt crazy whenever mm -hmm. we're in that expansion process. It, it, it does feel a little crazy. We don't understand what's going on with ourselves. Our identity is literally like cracking and falling mm -hmm. away. And it's like, I almost imagine that, um, that image, if you've ever seen that right of that, like light beaming through the cracks of that statue mm -hmm. and that that's what it feels like. If you feel like you're, you know, falling apart in a million little pieces at the same time, and you feel like you have to hold it together. And yet actually the in huge invitation is to let go mm. and to allow, and this is where we step into the feminine, right? And receiving and allowing and being is like the only way to get through it. You cannot control it. You cannot mm -hmm. do anything. You just have to allow. Yeah. Beautiful. I love all of that description and the imagery too, because it's, it is this, it's a revealing and it's, um, as much as you're stepping into a new version of yourself, I almost find it, it's a new version of you. That's the authentic you. It's like a remembering, right? It's and remembering, it's, yes, it's the remembering that's underneath what you have put on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, and I just see this happening so much, especially in our current <laughs> world right now of you know, we're born into a story, essentially, mm -hmm. we're born into a story that we've never even chosen. And it's all it's, you know, comes from all different facets. Um, and then when you kind of 
start to that process of going inward, you're like, oh, and it's like this really radical process of self-love, discovery, and trust, you know, like, who is this person? And it's just, um, you're really just exemplifying it so beautifully. So thank you. And I'm just so Mm -hmm. happy for you because it is when you make that shift and you look back, you're just like, oh, this is, there's so much more over here, you know? And so, um, so much more. It's the best. Yeah. So I wanted to transition into that a little bit about Mm. belief. Um, what do you, what are, what is like a really strong belief that you had? I mean, besides just that you couldn't imagine your life without alcohol, but looking back that you really like thought was true about alcohol that now you're just like, Oh, that's just crazy. Just how we can live into these stories that we've created and how alcohol really creates this facade of reality. Mm. Yeah. I think a really common one is just the whole, like that you need it to connect or have fun. And that's Mm -hmm. like, could not be further from the truth. I have now massive evidence of that time and time and time again, like in the most, expansive, miraculous, magnificent ways. Even if I am at a party where there's other people that are enjoying, you know, having drinks or whatever, it's, I like, I, and we talked about this a little bit and I want to make sure that I hit on this because the neuro pathways, uh, this is what is so key. Yeah. Ironically enough, I think I lost that neuro pathway when we were talking about it earlier, but this is really important because I feel like Often, and I read something about this actually while I was in that initial recovery, that often we have a neural pathway that says we actually even desire the drink before we're drinking it, right? Mm -hmm. It's that longing of like, oh, I cannot wait to have that glass of wine. That's going to make me feel so good. Like it's not even the actual substances. Self. It's the neuro pathway that says that's going to make me feel better. And a huge part of my choosing this for myself was I actually didn't want anything outside of me that was what I was going to to make myself feel better. I didn't want any of those crutches. I didn't want it to be a, a warm latte. I actually quit drinking coffee at the same time. I stopped doing all drugs, alcohol, coffee. I still drink tea, but I just, I, it was literally this piece of me that was like, this doesn't feel good in my body. And it was this commitment to wholly listening to what feels good in my body and to not have anything outside of me, including being like, "Mm, I can't wait for that coffee in the morning. That's going to make me feel so much better about my day or whatever it is. I didn't want any of that. So I cut all of it out. And that new neural pathway that I haven't even had to work on, but I think just through my, maybe my own work, is uh, that I can see is there now is I don't, I don't have alcohol is not something that I can't have. Mm -hmm. It's not a rule like that for me. It's not a like, Ooh, don't have that. I think if, if that in some people, I think that hold it that way, then the rebel comes in or you feel like mad about it or, you know, like a kid that wants the thing that they can't have. But actually I really was like, I'm going to give myself the choice every time, but I'm going to give myself the choice being present with what my body truly wants. And so still to this day, 
I'll be like, do I want that wine? You can even see it on my face. Mm-hmm. I literally, as soon as I think about that, the wine in my body or the alcohol in my body, I get this gross feeling. Mm-hmm. It is, I'm, my neural pathway now is so wired to alcohol gives me the gross feeling. It's very connected to the feeling of like not feeling good, disconnected in my body, tired and lethargic, like all the negative. And, and that's technically what I think hypnosis really does, mm-hmm. but I just was able to do it on my own. And so rewiring those neural pathways, I think has, has been a massive game changer because that's the thing to notice. It's only the neural pathways that makes you believe that this is going to be the thing that's going to make you feel better. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you pointed that out. I had an episode about association triggers and um, that it's just such an important, um, it's such an important piece for people to remember because I think it, instead of shaming and blaming yourself, like why this is so hard or this is a part of me, you can really start to detach yourself and really just drop the labels about what alcohol is or isn't. And just like for whatever reason, alcohol, because I think it's so popular, such a you know, accepted thing in our culture and in, in the world that um, we don't look at it as just really another habit, a really concentrated habit that has now been interwoven in so many celebratory things, you know, self-care time, like it's like self-care time. And so what I see is that when people really understand that piece of it, that it simply is really a pathway that you just have to rewrite. Um, it just kind of is like, oh, okay. Like this is, this is just science. This is the way that the brain it's science. survives. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like it this, is, it's chemicals, right? Mm-hmm. It's like this, the whole chemical reaction. And yeah, when you feel into it and you get into the science, I science to me, I really love in this way because you can, you start, once you actually really take a step back and look at what alcohol does to your system, it's like, how are, how is anyone ever doing this? It's right up there with smoking. I quit. I smoked when I was in high school and I quit smoking and I have the same neural pathway now that cigarettes to me is like, you might as well be licking an ashtray. Like it is so gross. And so same thing, right? It's like, yeah, if you can just recognize what this really does to your body, that it can be helpful for some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I know that you had talked, I think that when we were talking about like the neurotransmitters, you were kind of, we were kind of talking about the practices that you were doing too, and how mm. that kind of also played into that process of the recalibration or almost, you know, it kind of expediting the process when we're do when you're doing mind body work or work that's really hitting you on a deeper subconscious level, like the sound healing and stuff. Well, in my, so another thing too, and we sort of hit on this a little bit, but like in that moment, right, when I felt like I was, um, you know, kind of breaking into a million little pieces, and as I was expanding, I mean, the thing that you quickly realize, and I've talked to several people about this, and I, I know you get this as well, is when you stop numbing with these substances, you you just come alive. Like the, all of a sudden your receptors are open. So I was having so many activations and downloads. I mean, I have to remember, I was literally called to be a clear channel. And as I followed that call, it was like that channel was wide open. Mm. And I mean, it took me probably that full year 
you know, if not more to know how to even, you know, handle sort of the open close of that channel, but it was intense. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was getting so many downloads and so much information and I didn't know how to handle it. I remember actually being on the street talking to, she's still a good friend of mine today. And she does a lot of like amazing trauma work and works with, um, you know, those who are channelers and, and on this spirit, deep spiritual path. And I remember, and I've had several times in my spiritual journey of being like, I need help. I don't know how to hold this. I don't know what to do with this. Like, it just feels so intense coming mm -hmm. through me that I, and this is why people numb. It's why some of the most creative artists and performers have numbed because they have so much coming through that it feels so overwhelming. You're mm -hmm. like, help, what am I supposed to do? Like, you're literally like shaking with this responsibility or this this stuff that's coming through that feels like out, uh, you feel like an alien, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you resonate with that? No, absolutely. Well, for me, it's really my view of how I'm relating to the world. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of always been my, um, my, my like, my ability to tune in and to kind of just create a different reality for myself than the, in, you know, than what I see on you know, I think in a general way. So, um, and something that I really, um, and I would love to find out, you know, what is your, what is your answer to that? What have you found that really works for you best for channeling that or for just controlling yeah. that? It doesn't feel like you have to numb it and go away, but you can live mm. into it and let it and channel it. In Great the question. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, I am this, to me, this is just the invitation to get it out. So this is the work I do with my clients as well is that they have so many ideas flowing through and so many things they're wanting to put out into the world. So I am a creator and my invitation for all the people that I work with is recognizing you are a powerful creator. So one of the pieces there, again, right, this goes into this piece. There's a lot of nuances here, but I think that the, we have these different coping strategies when we're in fear or when we're scared. And so all of these are these layers that we're peeling off. So whether that be in the creative process and who you're showing up to be and, and what you're creating. And that year, I mean, I had several layers and levels that were getting peeled off or different um, uh, in the fire moments that I knew at that time, I started just getting the, the clue that like, okay, this is, this is just, I am in training to do bigger work in the world and that this is what this looks like. And I actually, I went and saw a woman that year and she was, um, she actually channels Seth and mm. she never, she was like, I never go into a channeling session in this, but he really wants to talk to you like this needs to happen. And the entire session was about how essentially like I am a spiritual leader and that being a, a spiritual leader, a leader of any kind really often means that she would, she said something like, this is not the time for you to be just one of the girls. You might mm -hmm. not be just one of the girls. And that is going to feel a little bit isolating and a little lonely mm -hmm. because you're here to do this big work. And that means usually like, you know, having that torch and, and leading the way in that way. And so I think there is a big piece of it really, which has just been this constant invitation to be 
centered within myself. And now mm-hmm. I do this work. I actually call this, it's in my book. And I um, spoke at power recently and did this, which is all about insourcing versus outsourcing. Mm-hmm. So again, right. Even Beautiful. whether you're outsourcing to alcohol or coffee or sex or whatever, um, but that instead insource, how can you mm-hmm. have this center, your own knowing and be so connected to your own knowing that that is your reservoir of peacefulness. And so, yes, meditation is beautiful, but that's all an invitation to be within and, and then listen. And then this is the other piece in terms of being a creative. I often describe this as like, you know, listening and honing on your listening. If you have downloads and activations happening, then listening and you're working with the part of you that is being afraid. So as it's coming in and you're like, well, who am I? Or Mm -hmm. what if I don't know how? And all the fears that come up, right? Um, Ultimately, the invitation, and this is what I like handhold a lot of clients through, is we're going to just start creating. We're going to allow it to be messy. We're going to do like a shitty first draft, or we're just going to do this piece to like slowly do it. But in that creation process, it teaches us and it heals us and it shows us the way. Oh, so beautiful. I'm just so thrilled that you took the invitation to do the work. And yes, it is, it is that thing of showing up and sometimes having to, to be the torch to, to go first. Right. And I think this was something I talked about at power was the, the willingness to go first and say, you know what, without shame or fear, I'm going to show up and be myself. And um, before we talk, before we kind of wrap up and talk about how we find out more about you in the book and stuff, I just wanted to ask a little bit about the divine feminine essence, because to mm. me, that is the piece um, of rediscovering, of remembering is um, being in tune with the subtlety, the subtlety that when you are, when alcohol is forefront in your life, you have a zero, you have no access to, I mean, very little access to. And so I think that that subtlety um, is the potent medicine. It's so crazy because it's so subtle, but it's the most powerful and the most reliable and the longest lasting. That's going to give you that consistency where, you know, when you're saying I'm tuning in and I don't need anything outside of myself because I am this reservoir that can continue to create. And so um, I just would love to hear about your expression of the divine feminine or what that means for you now in light of shifting your relationship to alcohol. And yeah. Mm, So beautiful. Well, I will share in Hong Kong, I ended up, I mean, it's so interesting to me that I really had quite a spiritual awakening, you know, yet yet another one, but it was pretty transformative in Hong Kong of all places, which is such a concrete jungle. But actually, there is where I connected with some of the most beautiful spiritual friends that I still have to this day, and actually contributed to several things, one of which was called the Garden Gathering. And this was where about 70 of these most incredible like healers and wisdom teachers and just guides and beautiful women from all around Southeast Asia came to Hong Kong and we actually went out on this island and stayed in teepees and tents and 
and really like bless the land. It was a weekend of ceremony and sharing each other's gifts. We did wisdom shares where everyone just essentially shared their wisdom with each other. So it was everything mm. from forest breathing to drum making to, you know, and I led. Um, so we had, I probably participated and contributed and even helped um, organize and everything. A couple of them, like three, I think, uh, out of all. And it was so powerful because it was this sisterhood mm. and that healing of being around other women and sharing and being in ceremony with women, which I know you know is so powerful. And to this day, I, I notice and still meet other women that haven't yet had that experience mm. and don't know yet how crazy healing that is. And so honestly, I feel like that was one of the first things that really helped started, like started my process of that relationship with the divine feminine was just being in sisterhood and being in ceremony. Um, and then I really feel that, that a lot of that like I was sharing with you, right? A lot of these choices as I completed these sacred contracts and as you just, you know, you no longer have almost the, the noise or the escape of alcohol or drugs or what have you. And you have to be with yourself, which is what can be very challenging for a lot of people, but that requires a new relationship with being, right? Mm. And, and so I think that to me, divine feminine is that being. And so, you know, especially then I do all this work with masculine and feminine in my business, because that's why I do emotional support and strategic support, because it's also very much about healing this relationship with the masculine mm. as well. So a lot of times people will come to me on their journey where they have either been already burnt out, they've tried the masculine way, they've gotten really <laughs> burnt out, and then they have gone on a beautiful, they've started anyway, at least, or gone on a really incredible spiritual journey of starting to recognize the need, importance for self-care and following their creative spirit. And But what happens sometimes is that they still haven't uh, created this divine union between the masculine and feminine energies. And when we can do that and really be with all of our emotions and be with all the beautiful feminine, you know, being that wants to be there, the allowing, the receiving, um, you know, this is also the muse, any of these activations and downloads that are coming through and being able to to lovingly be with that, but then like utilize that masculine energy to put it into action and create some structure and, and, and have that doing be so in honor of the masculine mm -hmm. feminine. So there's a saying that I often say in my work, which is acting on behalf. Mm. acting on behalf of what is coming through you right and that's that empowered piece you hear me talking about a lot as well which is like this is about me saying yes to what I want and so same with any creative inspiration that's coming through you how can you then act on behalf of that mm -hmm. oh my gosh I love that so much that is so beautiful and that piece of the sharing of the wisdom of sisterhood too and I think mm. that for so long there's been you know, for women rising in the ranks, we've had to jump into that masculine energy, which I think is exhausting if you're not in the feminine, but now we know that the support of one another and, um, yeah, as I'm, as I'm facilitating and working in this women's circle, the most important piece is, and the most inspiring piece is to help others share their gifts in that wisdom piece. And, and that really creates the union. But I love you talking about, um, 
being in support of the feminine and bringing that forward through business. It's really awesome. Um, so I, you've just if, given so much beautiful inspiration. I want to go ahead. Well, if we have space for one other little yes, thing, something absolutely. that I really, it like keeps knocking on my door and wants to be a part of this conversation just to present this is I want to acknowledge and share with anyone going through this process. And I'm really curious to see if you have had any experience, but over the last couple years, so right, I'm like three years, four months or something in, and I just want to share. And I think too, because of even my upbringing and some of my, the trauma related with my stepdad and, um, and just, yeah, my, like my childhood, but then all of my years of drinking and partying and all these things that I just wanted to share this, that I have had several, I've just noticed in the past couple of years, my body working through the trauma of mm. all of those years. And so I will, I still, I still end up having like basically nightmares or dreams that as, and now what I consider to be my body working through the trauma where I'll have dreams that I'm like, um, I've been drinking and I don't know where I am mm. or like, or like, Oh, why did I think that that was okay to like do this? Cause now I am not thinking straight or whatever. Like I, it's like these little tenants of this trauma that will still come up. And it's fascinating to me just to watch. So it's been this invitation to just lovingly be with myself and like, ah, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. Like that was so truly traumatizing to my body for so long to the points mm -hmm. that I would get, yeah, either super, you know, either really drunk or feel disconnected or, you know, even, yeah, like many times, of course, just not making good choices. I feel so lucky to be alive today for some of the crazy choices that I made under the influence of drugs and alcohol. Mm. And so just really wanted to acknowledge and send a lot of compassion for anyone who is going through this process that, you know, that you truly are having to go through some healing of trauma from that time. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm so glad that you said that because more and more I'm looking at it as in, rather than a process. I mean, it is a process of of recovery in that way where there it's, it's not about overcome recovering from addiction so much as it is from this trauma. And I feel like those are, two, they are different in a way. And someone had said to me, and this is so fascinating, kind of, you it, um, reminded me of it, what you were saying is that um, like the process of blacking out or just kind of having a night that's fading was almost like, um, herself, her highest self, because your body's functioning and moving around. It was like, her highest and truest self was just like, I'm out of here. Like, I don't even mm. want to be present with this anymore. And so yeah. you've been like, it's like this huge disconnect between, you know, this body that's kind of just doing its thing. And then the presence of your conscious soul being is like, yeah, like as the night goes on, that person just slowly starts to move away. And it was like, it was really like a shocking kind of image to think of a little bit about your beautiful highest self, just kind of like, I'm just going to sit over here and wait till, wait till you're ready. It makes me so sad to hear it because it's, I mean, I guess my, mm -hmm. my highest 
calling and and choice is so rooted in honoring of the Mm. self and anyone who is dating i remember even um, a time that i was dating and i really got this is that you know our work here especially with this physical body which our physical bodies are slower right our consciousness is super fast we can go to like different paradigms and different worlds like a blink of an eye but our physical body is slow it is like this is the lizard brain it's like it's slow and needs our patience and our compassion and just recognizing that the, the you know this part of you that's like peace out like why are you doing that it's like it just to me makes me so sad of like I want to honor you I want to honor my body in the best way I know how this is this a vessel that is my gift that has me in on this earth plane for this life school in this time and how can we work together yeah. Beautiful. I love that so much. It's so, it's so true. And yeah, you have to find a way for those two worlds to be in alignment and cohesive, but it's such a beautiful process when you just invite that, like, let's do this. Let's do this together. Yeah. Let's um, do this together. Yeah. And you gave so much value already, but what would be just one little tidbit of advice for some, for a woman that is kind of just exploring her relationship and like thinking those thoughts of, I just, this just isn't working for me anymore, but they're feeling really stuck and isolated and scared. Mm, yeah. I mean, I think that the first step is, is that just compassion, you know, and really acknowledging and celebrating that, uh, the conscious awareness. It's such the first step of it. And to not let it be an invitation to beat yourself up, but instead to continually stay curious, mm-hmm. right? This is not about you being bad or wrong. It's that we can instead have this deep compassion for what is essentially a coping mechanism for mm-hmm whatever is happening in your life, that is your current go-to coping mechanism. And I think it's remembering that you will survive without it. We, because that neuropathway is wired so strong, you cannot imagine life without it, or it just doesn't feel good. Like I remember when I quit drinking and I stopped drinking coffee and then I was like, okay, my last bastion was like sugar. And I definitely probably had a little bit more sugar because it was just like this mm-hmm. is the last thing I can have and and I remember this thought of like giving up sugar and I was like life it's not even gonna be fun anymore like why well, have nothing to live for <laughs> if I can't have this like I had that feeling of like and then after my body again like I I remember I did take a little break and I was like I'm still alive every like the world is still this magnificent magical place and we just have to overcome it our our brains are so wired so yeah compassion self-awareness and then calling in support you know calling in support of yourself I think that so often we beat ourselves up and we think that we have to know better or we have to do it ourselves we have to figure it out and instead recognizing that really there's this ability to to call in support to not feel so alone in it and to have someone that can I think just reflect for you you know what I say in my work is like I re- just reflecting the wisdom of your own truth mm-hmm. right and that's that remembering it's like what part of you wants to come alive again and let's see if we can tune in and listen to her and turn up that dial and sometimes it helps to talk it out with someone yeah absolutely Thank you so much. And I want to know about the book and where we can find you best. And I'm sure there are going to be some beautiful women that want to call you up. 
<laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm Willow loves you on everything. I'm very, very Googleable. Willow sauna and Willow loves you uh, because I've been online for a long, long time. I love Instagram. I'm mostly on there. So at Willow loves you, there's no W on the end of Willow, but I'm sure you'll have it listed there as well. They can see it. So mm -hmm. um, Willow loves you. And I think probably one of the most powerful um, invitations, you know, if you have entrepreneurs, creative entrepreneurs, spiritual creatives that are listening to this, that are wanting support as they're birthing their big ideas into the world. Um, I have a masterclass and I can send you the link, but it's, a, mm -hmm. it's you can find it on my site as well, willowlovesyou.com. And there's a masterclass where I go specifically into these five transformational shifts and for anyone who has had any relationship with alcohol or their own relationship with self and relationship with your creativity and business, it is a really incredible masterclass for really helping you look at, you know, how are you doing with your boundaries? How's your relationship with yourself? What are these energy leaks that are happening? Um, so that would be my invitation. If they are curious, that's where you can find me and find more information. Awesome. Yeah. I think it's so interesting that you said that because it's kind of like when you change your relationship with alcohol, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And those tools end up being that powerful resilience that just continues to grow your capacity to move through all challenges that you face because you start to understand and trust yourself on a deep level. And that's what I took away most from our conversation today was self-trust being the key to thriving and enjoying your life too. So that's right. You are more powerful and capable than you think. And that Amazing. to that knowing that deep knowing is makes you unstoppable. You can put your mind to anything. And I absolutely know it's possible. You and I are living proof. It's possible yep. that you know, life just continues to get better and better and better. And you can choose to do that in every moment. You also don't have to do it alone, but we are so powerful and so capable, especially as women. We are so yes. badass. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> oh my gosh. Willow, thank you so much for being here. And I hope you have an amazing day and you just are just thank you for all of your service into the world for helping people really pull out their gifts because the more peace and wisdom that we can each individually shine the collective and the world's a better place. And I truly believe that with all of my heart. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yes. Bye. The process of unraveling your story outside of the confines of alcohol is truly a sacred and beautiful journey of the self. Rediscover who you are and a whole new world again. Stop by my website, Mary Wagstaff Coach. Dot com to get instant access to the on-demand workshop of my revolutionary five shifts approach. And while you're there, you can sign up for a one-on-one -on -one consultation where we will create together your life intention. This is the framework for which all of your decisions around alcohol are made from your truest and highest self. In addition to working remotely worldwide, I host private one-on-one -on -one healing retreats at my sanctuary in Mount Hood, Oregon. I can't wait to connect.